ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Hi, Dan, Chris, and all the Ascend podcast listeners. My name's Aaron, and I'm from Middlesbrough in the UK. I absolutely love listening to the podcast, especially the Observing Our Thoughts. It allows me to take a break from the norm for a while and think critically about life and begin to delve into some really deep introspection. Keep up the good work, guys. Hey, what is up, everyone? Hope you're all doing well and feeling well, and it's really great to see the reach of the community with that message there. And thank you so much to Aaron for sending over the message. Really good to hear a fellow northerner as well. Middlesbrough isn't that far away from where we're based. And if you would also like to send a message which will eventually be played, and if this is something you think would be cool, just record a quick 15 to 20 second audio saying who you are, what you're up to, and where in the world you are located. So anyway, this week we're joined by Clive DeCarl. This one was recorded from our time at the Glastonbury Symposium. And me and Chris had such a great weekend there and Andy, who runs the event, really did go all out and provide us with such a great opportunity to have access to all the speakers that were there and in the process allowed us to bring all these different conversations and interesting people to your ears as well. So anyway, this was the first conversation from our time at the Glastonbury Symposium with Clive DeCarl, who is a natural health practitioner and he's travelled the world studying the diet and lifestyles of the world's longest lived peoples and he's been investigating the very best sources of nutrient rich foods all around the world and this was such a great podcast we covered so much ground from what humans most deficient in the placebo effect pre-modern human diets ph levels in the body how to align the ph levels in the body natural cures and honestly so much more and we actually also recorded another episode with Clive DeCarl because there was so much we didn't get to cover in this as we were pushed for time. So that will be out in the near future. But in the meantime, anyway, enjoy this one. Grab your notepads as well. <laughs> and if you want to support the podcast, you can do that for our Patreon page. Alternatively, we now also have a, a one-off donate option as a few people were asking for that. So if you want to make a one-off donation, you can do that now. So anyway, enjoy this episode. So anyway, thank you so much for um, joining us today as well on the podcast. And... um, You've been sort of a health consultant for a while now and you've been diving into the world of health for a long time now. But through my own journey as well, I know Chris's journey, we've done, probably haven't done as much deep research of you as you've done in health, but we've done quite a bit. But through our own understanding, um, our understanding of health, it's changed a lot through the years. I mean, has your understanding of what actually health means changed through your life? 
Um, well, in one sense, yes, of course, but the basics are unchanged. I mean, when I see clients, for instance, I sort of start off at an elemental level. I'll be talking to them about, well, is the water that they're drinking pure or has it been poisoned at some level? You know, has the water board put sewage in their water yeah. supply with all those second-hand drugs? You know, it's a good question to ask the water board, by the way. I ask them, you know, are you in the city? Are you breathing bad air or good air? Are you getting enough sunshine, which is vital to health, clearly? And is the food you're eating nice or, un or is it poisoned? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then from there on, everything's built around minerals. You know, if a tree is missing a vital mineral in a big strong wind, oh, the tree can fall over and we're exactly the same, you know, missing a mineral. So I go through with clients the various minerals and then what, what are the deficiency symptoms of them uh, to see whether they need them. And generally, it's remarkable how common a whole raft of deficiencies are, really simple, basic ones. Yeah. What, what are some of the most deficiencies that you are seeing in a, co a common thread amongst the people? people? Ah, well, well the, the biggest common thread, I suppose, in the mineral world is low magnesium, and in the vitamin world, low vitamin C. Now, oh, so low vitamin C. Low vitamin C. Um, the reason being that vitamin C deteriorates very fast in food, mm -hmm. and so you know, there's the orange on the tree alive, you pick it, now it's in the process of dying. And in that dying process, minerals are fine because minerals are eternal, they last forever. But the vitamins start deteriorating fast. So by the time it's been flown from who knows where, into the warehouse, into the supermarket, into your kitchen, then it sits there for a little bit longer before it gets eaten, how much of the vitamin content, the enzyme content and so on is left in that food? Mm. Well. Um, I've never done the, the testing except with a bricks meter. For about £10 you could buy what they call a refractometer bricks meter and it's a little tiny sort of mono microscope you look through and you put a few drops of say lemon juice or you squeeze, you want to test how how fresh, how vibrant is that tomato. Well you squeeze a few drops of the tomato juice, put it in the little, sort of, little glass plate, you close it down, you look through it and you focus it and you can tell um, how, how many bricks there are in fruit. And bricks is like a measurement of oxygen. That would be one way to describe it. It's a little bit more than that. But it's related to uh, the sugar content and so on. So when you buy one of these food refractometers, then they come with a little um, uh, instruction leaflet, and, and they'll show you what a, a, you know, a good lemon might have a bricks of, let's say, six, and uh, a really good one, 15, and then an excellent one, 20, and so on. So you, you can literally tell... Um, that way. But why test? Because most food is old and if it's been sprayed with you know, Roundup, you know, the pesticide by Monsanto now taken mm -hmm. over by Bayer being yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. biggest nasty industries out there, um, you know, how Monsanto's Roundup works is that it stops plants uptaking minerals. That's, that's why they all, all the weeds die because it stops it. So what are they doing a few days before harvest, eight days before harvest? A lot of the wheat farmers, and they're pressured into this by price and the supermarkets demanding lower, lower prices, it's not that they want to, they, they overdose their own wheat plants or whatever oh. the plants are uh, that are seed-bearing so that the plants wither and die and they shrivel up on the way so there's less me wet mess to, dry, to clear away. And all the remaining power of the plant goes into the wheat seed and along with a megadose of the chemicals, and this yeah. is perfectly legal. So people eating that stuff 
are likely to have some pretty serious issues. So, yeah, it seems like a very um, complex scenario. To the fact of um, something to satisfy everyone, something to satisfy the consumer, the um, the producer, and overall every single thing involved. Someone's going to have to give. Whether it's going to be these companies, like Roundup, they're going to have to like stop and slow down their process and let the organic farming commence a bit forward. Is, is there a simple answer to, to, this, to that problem, do you think? Well, uh, I was an organic farmer for 10 years and I watched my neighbors have disasters. Um, I was in southern Spain and we were very small, but there were so few organic farmers around there that uh, we supplied a fairly large area with a, a few certain glut times of year with oranges and so on. And, um, but on one level, is it, can you trust organic? So mm. when I became an organic farmer, this is Spain, not England, um, they came, I, I, I contacted the organic people, I said, I want to get registered, and they came round and they took my money and signed me up. So in the next 10 years, how many times did they come round to check I was doing it right? Never. They never came. Not oh, wow. once. Not once. So is it? meaningful the organic label what is meaningful is the biodynamic label you know biodynamic being the sort of farming methods espoused by Rudolf Steiner which he looked at what did the ancients do what did our ancestors do and yet we we all know I think that our ancestors used the moon you know they'd harvest at full moon plant at waning moon you know there were there were routines that they did to fertilize the soil and so on so Steiner put together the idea of biodynamic gardening and now there are lots of books about it and there are one or two places in England where there are whole little towns practicing it the yeah. biggest example of which is Forest Row in East Sussex mm -hmm. uh, Forest Row is great there are several organic farms and um, there's a Steiner school there and so what's the difference the difference is that a biodynamic farmer is never going to think of using a chemical because that's that's not the ethos of biodynamic farming and um, whereas the organic uh, guys have uh, their um, uh, overseeing agencies, Biodynamic has their own, which is called Demeter, or Demeter, who was, I think, the uh, god, Greek god of fruitfulness or something like yeah. that. Oh. And um, so my mum, when she was in her 80s, could, generally speaking, tell the difference between ordinary food and biodynamic food because the difference was startling. And to give you an example, um, I speak as somebody who decided not to eat meat for 25 years. I now eat meat, but I might buy it from Tablehurst Farm, which is again down in Forest Row, where a chicken, unlike an, you know, one of the uh, Deathco or All Die supermarket chickens, costs 2 99 or 3 99 mm -hmm. um, down there it's 29 99 for a chicken. You get yeah. a big one for that, but 29 99 for a chicken. But when people taste it, it's like I've never tasted chicken like this ever in my life, unless they're old enough and they say, oh, or they come from some remote third world place and they're, oh, yes, this is a real chicken. Mm -hmm. But you know, kids these days or young people have, just don't know what they're missing. They don't understand that a chicken that's not been fed naturally, I mean, a chicken that's been fed naturally, which is pecking around outside, lots of insects, lots of different materials, um, runs like a, a healthy human, an alkaline body. But if you feed, as they do with modern agriculture, all the animals, whether it's cows, salmon, whatever, chickens, if you feed them the wrong type of food, like a lot of grains, you know, they don't, you know, 
we think of corn-fed chicken. No, they don't eat corn. <laughs> Who are you trying to kid? <laughs> you know, the, the, um, so you feed the wrong substance to an animal. It's now not going to be well. Instead of being healthy alkaline animal, it's going to be acidic. So as we, as we the healthy humans, now eat that acidic meat, that, you know, or, or the produce of an animal that wasn't really well, and it's going to change the acidity of our body. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, the volt, our cells have a voltage powering them, and it's linked with the pH of the cells. And so people with cancer have uh, an acidic pH. People uh, who are healthy tend to have a more alkaline pH. You can't get too far the other way, but you, you get the idea. Yeah. So modern farming is poisoning everybody. It's, it's I, just, I wouldn't yeah, just yeah. Quite forget because the interesting point there when you're talking about the pH level. By the way, there's so much in this. I've got about five points I wanted to rattle off. You said <laughs> so much amazing stuff, honestly. But in regards to the pH levels, is there actually a way? I mean, have you do you know have have you sort of got any sort of maybe tips or hints for people to how to sort of regulate that to the to the correct levels? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's really easy. Now, the first thing is to ask oneself, what does pH stand for? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Right. <laughs> well, it stands for potential hydrogen. Right. So potential hydrogen. So why is that interesting? Well, hydrogen's the smallest atom. You are. Most of your molecules, 99% of your molecules, are H2O, mm-hmm. hydrogen and oxygen. So that's um, two H2s to every O. Therefore, uh, the question is, are you hydrogen? So is pH important because it's potential hydrogen? And so uh, from there on, let's say you want to test your pH. Probably the best way to do it is first thing in the morning before you do anything, if you take a pee, uh, you can get pH strips, or you can get for about ten pounds a uh, pH meter, and you stick it in the urine, and you see what it is. And uh, people, lots of people, disagree as to what that number should be. Some people uh, say um, it should be um, uh, seven point seven point eight. I've seen maybe. Well, other other people say it's much very less. Good, isn't it? Yeah. You see, some people say it should be six point five. Um, it's it's a really difficult one, and um, uh, it's uh, what what I'm going to do is I'll put out a video. Um, can we break this for a second? Do we don't actually break. We don't break. You don't break. break. Okay, that's no don't, problem. Don't worry. So um, uh, I'm having a mental block on this. So I, I need. I'm going to have to Don't worry. We have uh, mental blocks all the time. I mean, even with that said, I mean, like you said, there uh, you were open. You were open to the fact that you said it might be this, it might be that, because. I think that's what something I want to touch on you in regards to health because when I in the first question I asked you in regards to health, it's a very I think health is a very sticky word because the understanding that I have about us as healthy beings is that it's constantly changing. Like mm. our bodies are evolving and constantly changing all the time. So I think certain things that are, basically what I'm trying to say is that everyone's different. So even the pH levels for someone else, their levels might be different to what I require or to what you require, to what you require. That's what I'm seeing. Do you've, have you found that within health that it's actually, it's very hard to, I know like you said before, it, if you get back to the basics and you get back to the original methods, you're going to find sort of a, an equal, I can't say the word, equilibrium in that, or a balance point. But do you find that for many people, health is actually different for everyone? Right. My mind is cleared now. Yeah. It's all about time of day. Yeah. Right, it, you're, some people say that 6.5 or over, you know, higher being more alkaline, is, is where you should be. Other people say that it should be higher. But if you do it first thing in the morning, 
6.5 or higher and you can pat yourself on the mm. back, I, I reckon. But every, you know, there's no, no agreement there. But basically, 7.3 is about the balance, and that's where people, people ought to be. But at different times of the day, you know, there are huge advantages of being alkaline. There are huge advantages of being acidic in certain parts of the body at certain times. Mm -hmm. I mean, an example of that is to drink water with lemon juice in it uh, first thing in the morning when you get up. And while it is, by essence, acidic, your body apparently reacts to that by going alkaline. And if you want to start yourself off really well with flushing your kidneys, flushing your gallbladder, flushing your kidneys in the morning, lemon juice in, in water is a good way to do it. Yeah, there must be a, a balance in between an, um, an alkaline-based diet and uh, an acidic-based diet. Yeah, there must be a balance between the two which can cause um, the, like, us to live optimally and as, as such. It can't just be one better than the other. Um, well, uh, essentially, for a l so people are so different in their their diets and for how long they do them. For instance, a lot of people get a benefit from a vegan diet for a time. Yeah. But I know so many vegans who did it for too long, and they went from suddenly having this big clear out and feeling great to feeling weak. And I remember talking to a medical German medical doctor, cancer specialist, who talking about diets, and he's. I said, what do you think of vegan diet? And he said, well, I can spot the vegans and the vegetarians in the cancer ward. I said, well, how do you do that? He said, well, they're so weak compared to the others. Oh. Yeah, how, so how, how did they determine that? Well, some people are strong and some people are weak. Um, you know, this, is what he, this is what the doctor said. Just because I just, I'm, I'm, not just trying to, I'm not trying to dig you out. I'm just, just, cause, just because I know that through my experience, I mean, a, a long time ago, I, was, um, I did the bodybuilding, just to use that example. And I, on the outside, I looked healthy. But on the inside, I wasn't healthy. So I just don't know how you'd be able to determine that by just visually looking at somebody, think, that's all. I think as well, a lot of uh, a vegan diet is lacking a lot of uh, essential amino acids, which you can only get from meat. And the amino acids, like the building blocks for like strength through protein and stuff like that. And it breaks down the protein synthesis a lot easier in the body than a, a vegan diet would. So it's a lot more structurally sound, uh, a meat diary, a meat-based diet than I would say a vegan diet was. But a vegan can still get these essential amino acids through supplementation and stuff like that. Well, probably a question to ask as well. I mean, you said you were a vegan for 25 years. No, no, no. no I, I didn't eat meat. Oh, so, oh sorry. Years. Sorry. Right, you didn't no, eat no, meat. No, I, I ate everything else. All right, cool. I mean, how did, how did you, what was the, the change in mindset to, to do that, to go, go back to eating meat? Um, I gave up eating meat in mid-chicken mid sandwich that I made myself, and it was delicious. And from one bite to the next, I couldn't do it. And it wasn't because of little fluffy chickens and yeah, my love of animals. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was. Something oh. weird came over me. Because I only yet eat meat, chocolate and cheese, you know, yeah. drank tea. Yeah. That, that was more or less it. <laughs> chocolate biscuits. And, uh, not, not entirely, but almost. And so I didn't know what to eat. I did not. But something in me wouldn't allow me to eat meat. For 25 years, I didn't even fancy it. Oh, wow. didn't fancy it. And then I was round at my dad's at Christmas Day. And he had this huge goose, roast goose, for Christmas dinner. I thought, that looks great and uh, I ate it and it was great and yeah. so now if I trust the meat you know I'll, yeah. I'll eat it if it's really good some, mm -hmm. some I know somebody who shoots duck so I've had some some wild duck that was fantastic uh, yeah. I've had some venison yeah. that was fantastic but if it was grown in a farm in a nasty way and you know my god I wouldn't want to go anywhere near it Mm. It's interesting how in health, because I, I resonate with that story because I had a very similar story where I stopped eating meat. I mean, at the, at the minute now I'm going for a period where the only meat that I'll eat is fish. 
and like like you said I don't know why I did it it was just something inside whatever it was in a voice spoke to us and said don't eat meat but I think it's I mean have you found that through your life that sometimes it's actually I mean you can have all the scientific I know the scientific research is good and things like that but sometimes actually one of the best measures of your own health is actually just listening to your own intuition well, you know, as we know, all animals are intuitive. You know, yeah. the dog gets sick, it goes out and finds the right type of grass or weeds yeah. and eats it. You know, it's only us, uh, human animals, lost the ability to know how to self-medicate. Uh, but we still do know at one level. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a weird experience when I was 11 where I was out fishing and it was in the Caribbean and we had a glass bucket so we could see exactly, we could see the, the worm on the, on the hook and the fish and it was crystal clear, right? So, the person I'm with is catching fish like mad. The fish aren't interested in the worm on my hook. We swap fishing rods. Immediately, they, all the fish, I touch the fishing rod, all the fish that were swarming around just stop, look around, go to his one. And we could swap fishing rods all afternoon until I got sunstroke, and I never caught one fish. He caught 20 plus. So what was it? I was 11. I realized that they were reading my mind, the fish, because I hated putting the worm on the hook. That was, it was actually, it was a fly larva. It was really horrible. And I was dreading taking the, the hook, which was really barbed and nasty, out of the fish's mouth. I didn't want to hurt the fish. Now, the person I was with, he didn't care. Yeah. He didn't care. And he was looking forward to eating them. Yeah. And I watched as they were willingly sacrificing their lives to him and not to me. Wow. That's amazing, that. What a, like a very mindful, communicative process with that fish that they would avoid your line and go to someone else's. Well, you know, the, the thing is that what is the world? Well, actually, it's the great eating. Everything is eating something else. You know, and eventually when yeah. we die, fungus and bacteria and so on will yeah, do well for us. And um, so I had another experience um, about 15 years ago. At that point, I had... Um, a lie detector company and um, it was software that worked on the, on, over the telephone uh, voice analysing it, it did a lot more than telling lies you could tell all sorts of things anyway um, I got in touch with America's most famous lie detector person and he told me what had happened to him I think it was in the 1970s and they 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 wrote books about this um, he wired up his rubber plant in his office to the lie detector and he was just thinking I wonder what would happen if I picked up that pair of scissors and cut off a leaf when the plant reacted right? so he was the first one to prove that everything's got consciousness and w- there is just oneness right? Wow. so then he does a more, lot more experience with plants and then he thinks ah yogurt so he gets some live yogurt splits it into two puts the probes of the lie detector in one pot pours boiling water onto the other pot in another room and the lie detector goes off with the, the yogurt that's fine. Then he took saliva out of people's mouths, put them on the fastest jet and flew them 600 miles or whatever, um, put the probes in, in the saliva, affected the person and the saliva reacted. Right? Oh, wow. So that was then. Then about 10 years ago, they started doing experiments with fMRI scanners and they'd, for instance, put somebody Let's say a woman who's in hospital in London in the fMRI scanner which will give you br- the brain in real time then they say to the mother who's on another continent think healing thoughts to your ill daughter now and the daughter's brain would light up so over and over it's been proven 
that your thoughts have huge power. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking hatred towards somebody or guilt or jealousy or whatever it is, not only do they pick it up, but they will be affected by it. Yeah. I bought a story, by the way, and, yeah, that's, really and that's interesting because um, within the, in regards to health as well, we sort of... Um, we give ourselves away, don't we, to... Like, say if, say if you go to the doctors or something like that, the doctor will turn around and see if someone has ill. They'll, a lot, lot of scenarios, the doctors will say that, yeah, you've got no chance. Like, there's many, many medical cases where people say, oh, you've got no chance and things like that. And that's a very dangerous thing because I think when a lot of me- in a lot of medical areas, when people say that you haven't got a chance, there's something inside you that surrenders to you haven't got a chance. And, we, and like you were saying there about the power of the mind, like the power of the placebo of how we know that we can... Heal, heal ourselves and things like that but if we surrender ourselves to somebody else seeing that we can't do it then that's a very dangerous thing I mean have you have you, I mean have, can you oh, no, I completely that? agree yeah. if yeah. the doctor says you've got six weeks to live and you believe it oh dear yeah. you put yeah. time your clock by it um, but that, that's what happened to me 30 odd years ago yeah. you know I was so ill after three weeks in hospital the doctor said well, it's hopeless we don't know what's wrong with you and we can't fix you and, but we can give you drugs, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Don't know how they'll help you, but oh, we exactly. can give you drugs. <laughs> give you drugs yeah. uh, free, too. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily. No, no unfortunately not. Um, but, uh, you know, I worked out that I was low on minerals. I'd been reading, reading, reading. It's about the only thing I could do. I couldn't walk or dress myself, but I could read. Mm-hmm. And I figured out I was low on minerals. So I got taken out in a wheelchair, started taking minerals and vitamins and whatever. Uh, stopped eating quite so many Mars bars and all the naughty stuff and uh, you know I went from not being able to walk not being able to dress myself to being fine basically mm-hmm. essentially Could I ask you a question did you think your mental clarity changed in that process as well well you know there's nothing like almost dying and not being able to walk and stuff to make you um, think a little bit more deeply about everything mm-hmm. do you think um, it do you think it was um, when you couldn't walk and you couldn't dress yourself, do you think did that give you like the realization, or did it, or did it, was it the um, the process of recovery that helped you alter your mind and health? Uh, well, I, you know, I've had all sorts of experiences that have sort of woken me up. You know, I never like going to school or anything like that, so I tried not to. Uh, but I am proud of my O level woodwork. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I didn't that. get that. See, <laughs> 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 uh, I tried, and. Um, but um, I used to like uh, disassociative anaesthetics mm. rather than going to school. And so I'd leave my body frequently by disassociating using disassociative anaesthetics. Um, I had a stroke of luck when I was um, about 15. I bought the master key to the school off the head of school so I could get in anywhere and take what I wanted. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, uh, so anyway, one day I rather overcooked it. And suddenly I realized I'm floating on the ceiling looking down at my sort of rather crumpled up in a peculiar position body on the floor with my sort of head virtually stuck under a table and stuff and I for a microsecond I remembered that I was studying for O levels and then bam suddenly I'm on the ceiling it's still me nothing's changed except I'm floating on the ceiling looking down at my body and thinking wow and all my troubles have gone well wow. totally free and um, then something really unfortunate happened. Suddenly I snapped back into my body again. And it was quite a disappointment, actually, compared to what it was like not being in my body. It's a powerful OBA, that. Very powerful out-of-body experience. Yeah. Um, um, to go back as well, before when we were talking about um, pesticides and things like that, do you, do you think that is one of the, could be one of the main causes of cancer in the world now at the moment? Um, well... Or a main benefactor, anyway? I mean... 
the, the really dangerous things in the world are the agricultural herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, so on. Um, frequencies, if you happen to be radio sensitive. Um, you know, what, I, a good example is uh, there was this woman who had been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis so badly that her hands shook so much that she couldn't even go to the toilet by herself. She couldn't get dressed. And she's only in her 30s. So she was on the drugs for the MS, as she would be for the rest of her life, according to the doctors. But it wasn't MS. It was her plasma television. Wow. Six weeks after they'd taken the plasma television away, all the shaking stops. Oh, wow. Right? Some people are electrosensitive. Some people have that same electrosensitivity to mobile phones, just a few. Some to cordless phones. And it could be any electronic device that's not been wired quite properly. Some people have big problems with running machines. Some people have them with infrared saunas. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, anything. If you hear something making a buzzing sound, making a hum, now that's creating a frequency. Is that frequency good or bad? Uh, anything that hums, you've got to be, mm, I'm not sure I want to be close to that. Mm -hmm. you know, I've got a, 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 a voltage meter for the body, so you can measure voltage in the body. And if, if I, I had you hold it, and I have you stand near, let's say, a gang of three-pin plugs that are all on, you're probably inducing maybe 15, maybe 20 volts running wow. through your body. Wow. Just induction. You don't even have to touch it. Just going near it. So some people are sensitive to that. Other people aren't. Other people do it. They, you, don't, you notice nothing. But what if you're in a flat, and you haven't got a plasma television, but the people next door have on the other side of your head? Yeah. Oh, wow. And suddenly you've been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's or something, and you know, are you sure? You know, people are being diagnosed with stuff, and there can be misdiagnoses. There'd be lots of tests where somebody who's got a known disease goes to eight different doctors and gets wow. you know several different diagnoses. Wow. You know, there's no guarantee that doctors going to get it right when they say this is your diagnosis. And what does diagnosis mean? Well, this is my definition, Clive Carr's definition. Gnosis from the Greek is to know. Agnosis is not to know. So diagnosis is two people not knowing. <laughs> well, what an what interesting that. point that, by the way. I love that. Do you, do you have any? Do you have any theories about why that's the case? Or why we are? Why certain people are affected by mobile phones <laughs> and things like that, electric devices? No, other than that, we're all different. And yeah, just because I was thinking in my head. Um, I mean, because um, we know that. I mean, one thing that worries me at the moment is. How will like five G's come around the corner? And um, there's rumours that I think it was a biologist who was doing research on uh, the direction of where the birds were. Certain birds were flying, and the way ants were coming into season and going out of season. And there's rumours that because of like our electronic devices, we're actually impacting the lives of insects and things like that. So I was actually thinking maybe we're all, and the reason why it affects us as well, maybe we are some sort of um, we have like cycles in our body that we don't understand cycles that we have to honor like um many well many different cycles really but maybe that's affecting our deeper cycles that we don't understand in our body like if we are see if we are electromagnetic beings which a lot of people have said stated in the in the past like i think tesla said that we are all electromagnetic beings what if that that's why because we have our own um frequent our own in our own individual frequencies and our own individual frequencies can be affected just like the birds can the bees can by a mobile phone or electrical device. So you don't want a mobile phone anywhere near yeah. you. If you can park it in another yeah, room, 
uh, that would what be... about on what about on Wi-Fi <laughs> on airplane mode? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even the battery, the battery's putting <laughs> yeah, yeah, out a cool. huge field, actually. Mm. Um, you know, it, which is more dangerous, a mobile phone or a cordless phone? Well, I always thought it would be a mobile phone. Yeah. No, it's the cordless phone is more dangerous because that only gives out a whack of power every now and then mm-hmm. to see if anybody's around, whereas the cordless one is broadcasting 24 hours a day. So if your baby or you or whatever are, have got uh, uh, the base station near your head while you're sleeping, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You, know, you just don't want that. It's seriously, seriously dodgy. People just don't realize. And we just had a... Uh, a fluorescent light bulb break yeah. and people don't know that most fluorescent light bulbs are filled with mercury and if you break one let's say you just put it in the rubbish and it goes in the landfill okay now there's mercury seeping down into the water table how long does mercury last well i don't know what the half-life is but it's probably almost forever so it's not mercury's not like other toxins you know with some toxins okay gets in your body it, it meets a few cells, it kills them maybe, but it gets burnt up and then you excrete it out. Not with mercury. You've got a little piece of mercury in you, it kills one cell, but it's not weakened by that. It's never weakened, really. It'll carry on, carrying, carry on killing cells until you excrete it. But can you excrete it? Oh. You know, there are a lot of autistic children who have a lot of problems excreting heavy metals. And um, yeah, let me give you an example. Uh, I used to do hair mineral analysis at one point. Now I do other methods. But let's say you've got two children come in, and you've got to guess who's the autistic one. Now there's one child who's got very high mercury in the hair. The other child's got very low mercury in the hair. I'll tell you which one's the autistic one. It's the one with the low mercury in the hair, because we're all mercury poisoned from coal-fired power stations, a million reasons. So if you spot somebody who's actually got low mercury in the hair, they're the poor excretors. They can't get rid of it, so it's stored up in their body, damaging them. So with autistic children, if you take steps to get the toxic metals out, um, and there are various other stages, but that's one of the big is there, ones. Is there any foods that can help, help that, the process of like the absor- absorption of mercury, like well, discreet out of the body? The thing is that to get toxins out, a lot of people say, well, look, there are three basic pathways the liver has detox one, detox two, detox three. But there are other people who say, well, actually, really, strictly speaking, you could say there are five pathways because you can mobilize mercury out of a cell into the bloodstream, say, but unless you can then get it out from there, it just makes you feel worse and goes back in again where it started. Mm. So detoxification has to be done intelligently, and it's usually important to get people strong first before the detoxification. But, I mean, it, you know, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, it is really worth examining what's going on, I think, with autism. Because you know, what, it, what is the reason for autism? And it's growing at an alarming rate. Mm-hmm. I mean, in America, they say, I don't know, in you know, 30 years' time, half the children in America will be, be autistic if it carries on growing at this rate. You know, I'm not sure that those numbers are exactly right, but you know, there are other people who say, well, look, uh, in a few years' time, because now, whatever, 60% of Americans are on drugs, 25% of all women are on antidepressants. Um, Scary statistics. The children are, are on Ritalin, which is like a synthetic cocaine variant, you know, type of amphetamine. Uh, so they say that, look, in a few years' time, uh, everybody, you know, you will be in bed looking after the patient next to you 
Because mm. everybody's going to be ill and there's going to be nobody left. Yeah. So something has to change. Be building so more hospitals and houses then, won't they? Well, who's going to do the building? Everybody will be too ill. <laughs> <laughs> the robots. Um, yeah, no, that's, well, you're absolutely right. Yeah, the robots, of course. <laughs> um, and uh, so I got very interested in autism when... Um, I got particularly interested when, when it, it appeared there was things you could do about it. Mm. I've just done a second interview with a woman called Kerry Rivera who wrote the book uh, Reversing the Symptoms Known as Autism. Mm -hmm. And what happened, I think, with her son in, in 2004, 2005, something like that, her son was 10 by this point, severely autistic, and she realized what she had to do. So she takes him off all grains, so that's no rice, no wheat, no grains at all, and all dairy. That left one thing that he would eat, which was uh, chips, French fries. So for about three weeks, they feed him French fries. After three days on nothing but French fries, uh, he starts speaking. Because the, the grains and the dairy had been inflaming his brain, making wow. it unable for him to talk. Three days off the grains and the dairy, he's talking. Took ten days to get him on a bit of chicken, so he's now he's on chicken and chips. And after three weeks, they managed to get him off the chips. So do you think the brain itself is, is wanting to start the recovery process, but we are hampering, hampering it through our diet choices? Well, you know, you are what you eat. Yeah. Uh, you look at your ancestors, and they either died in childbirth or around childbirth, or they lived into their 80s, 90s. You go to any graveyard, you can see it. You know, mm. The government puts both figures together and say, oh, yeah, you're yeah. living longer. Everybody used to die at 45. Well, yeah, bullshit. Uh, bullshit. Mm. So, um, as I say, it's the children who I think need the most attention paying to because the older somebody with autism gets, the more difficult it becomes. So if you are uh, the parent of somebody who's autistic or you know somebody who's autistic or they've got ADD or ADHD or, and so on, there is a cause. And the causes generally are toxic metal poisoning, uh, probably from a vaccination or from uh, a pesticide, herbicide, uh, chemical poisoning in one way or another, toxic metal poisoning. So to get that out, you need to change the diet. There are many ways to get rid of parasites. Remember that um, in the past, it doesn't matter which culture pretty much you came from, fasting and deworming were normal. You deworm all the cattle and all, all the livestock, all the children and yourselves. Once a year, there'd be a fast and a detox, mm -hmm. right? And they'd use herbs, you know, traditional parasite killers would be things like black walnut, wormwood, you know, hence the name, worm, wormwood, um, uh, cloves. You know, there, there are a number of um, famous dewormer, deparasite agents have been used in history. I mean, when the Japanese eat uh, raw fish, they have uh, raw ginger with it. Because ginger in big quantities would be a pretty good thing to kill the parasites in fish. But we've lost that, like we've lost fermented foods. You know, nobody has real fermented foods anymore. It's, everything's pasteurized, and people are getting ill because of modern foods and modern drugs and modern chemicals. And um, I think that all the answers to farming are known about. You know, the biodynamic farmers are in perfect place to teach everybody how, how to do it. The permaculture farmers are in a great place to tell people how to do it. There is uh, people, uh, I can't remember the name of the person at the moment, there's a great TED talk about this guy who reforested 
uh, eight different regions of burnt out land where wow. um, if you put it in a TED talk about it you'll find it and he uh, studied for 20 years to, w to work out um, his name is Schmidt Smith and um, how to rebuild a rainforest and he basically shows you how he did it really simple put a big ring of trees around the edge to, to break the wind within three years he, he employed hundreds of people and dropped the temperature of the entire region 10 degrees in three years he'd put it right another example yeah wi Willie Schmitz his name is another example is from Estonia uh, in Estonia two people thought of a project which they called Country Cleanup. You can watch Country Cleanup uh, on YouTube. So there are um, 1.3 million, I think, population uh, uh, of Estonia, and they managed to persuade 50,000 of those people to come out and clean the whole country up. What had happened in the Soviet rule, um, people had just dumped all their rubbish in the forest. They'd dumped the fridges, the... Well, no, they wouldn't have dumped the fridges because fridges didn't go wrong up until the Western... People got rid of Freon and made them go wrong. You, know, you used to, when I was young, you could go to any scrapyard you liked, take a fridge, plug it in, it would work because they were made to last. Mm -hmm. right? Anyway, um, they went to Google and said, "Look, there's so much rubbish in the forests. Google Maps had just come out at this point, and Google Maps said, "Yeah, we'll map the f the forest. We'll map the rubbish. Tell you exactly where it is." They persuaded the president of the country. They persuaded business leaders to and people to volunteer lorries and all the cleanup equipment they they and so 50,000 people came out now 50,000 people out of 1.3 million po population we're what 70 million population mm. that would be more like a million people coming yeah. out a million people on one day could make a big difference I mean imagine for instance a million people planted cherry trees cherry seeds walnut seeds apricot seeds peach seeds lots of food you could a million people could plant a hundred you could have free free food everywhere in three years or a few years mm -hmm. time you know yeah. it takes a while to grow a tree but Even in an um, hour? just an hour yeah. so in five hours these guys cleared up the whole of Estonia right the government reckoned it would have taken two and a half years or something like that but it's a fantastic example of people power the the fact that actually if you've got something that's emotive enough to get people off the chairs doing something that it can be done because everybody wants to change the world but nobody's got any idea how and they make yeah. a mistake of going on a march so a million people go on a march everybody knows it's a waste of time they'll lie about the numbers that were there nothing will happen if those million people planted food you know I mean uh, uh, you would have to ask their permission but if you went to a supermarket like Deathco and you said can we apologize about my lisp I'll try and say it properly Deathco and you, you know, with their permission, you dug up the car parks and planted fruit and nut trees everywhere with a big sign saying, you know, don't bother to come in, just help yourself, it's all free. Would, <laughs> we, be un that, yeah. would we be unhappy about it? You know, if, by th if down a wide high street, instead of planting trees that don't bear fruit, because the council doesn't dare, I think, plant fruit-bearing trees, because if they did, they'd, if somebody slipped on an apricot, they'd be sued so they've dug up deliberately, they dig up fruit trees, my understanding. Uh, you know, I mean, the fact is, it doesn't suit industry for us to eat for free. You know, in America, you can't, in some states, you can't even collect your own water anymore. That's yeah. scary, that. How you can't even have access to a local spring.
Well, it's, it's insane. Yeah, roof water, in some states, you're not allowed to collect your own roof water Why because not? you don't own the water. Don't be silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the water. Or the air. <laughs> or the land. No, no, no you, don't, well, you don't own yourself, actually. You're yeah. a slave because yeah. you pay most of, assuming one pays taxes, one, who does one pay it to, exactly? Yeah, exactly. It's mm. a good question. And I mean, what, what do they spend it on? Yeah, definitely. It's not the roads. Yeah. <laughs> 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 definitely we, the definitely roads. we definitely know that. So um, that's probably, do you think that's a good place to wrap up? Because yeah, obviously you're, you, you need to be for your next speech, I think, at half past you said, didn't you? So I'll give you enough time now. But thank you so much, by the way, so much more. And one million percent, this has got to happen again because I've got a million questions that I want to ask you. So thank, thank you so much for. Um, well, uh, that's fine. Let me just say one more thing briefly. I have started an organisation called Secret Health Club. Mm-hmm. SecretHealthClub.com. We'll put that in the show notes as well and stuff. And um, it's members only, but it doesn't necessarily cost anything to join. And uh, there is a, there are lots of advantages to joining a club. You know, you can do things in a club you can't do in the real world. And it's a way for like-minded people to get the information that needs sharing, and there's yeah. tons of it. Cool, great. Thank, uh, thank, you, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, listening. We honestly loved chatting to Clive. Absolute wealth of knowledge in terms of health. And like I mentioned in the intro, we've got a second podcast coming up in the near future with Clive, as we didn't get to cover everything we wanted to in this one. So keep an eye out for that one. And if you want to send over a quick 15 to 20 second snippet saying who you are, what you're up to and where in the world you're located, you can send that over to us. And if this podcast is an important part of your consciousness in week and you're getting some value or entertainment or whatever, it really would be appreciated if you could sign up to our Patreon page. It really does help this podcast keep going and allows us to keep doing what we're doing. Or alternatively, you can also now donate directly too if you prefer that way. In the place to do all that, the links are at the Ascend podcast website. And remember, if you want to see the video form of these conversations, they're at our YouTube page. All these podcasts are now in person. We also have a video element for every single episode. So check out the YouTube page if you already haven't. So anyway, we love you all. Thanks for just listening to this thing. It really makes us feel so grateful that we're seeing so many people around the world just cultivating it at first for alternative information and people aspiring to improve who they are. So anyway, I hope you all have a great day after listening to this. You're all going to now improve your bodies and minds and have better health. So anyway, peace and love.